Welcome to eAssist Growing Your Dental Business Podcast. Tune in as the experts in dental business share tips and tools to grow your practice. To learn more, visit dentalbilling.com. Please welcome our next guest. Hi there, this is Jacqueline Hurley. Welcome to our Growing Your Dental Business Podcast. We're excited to be here. We have Heidi Mount with us today, and she is going to talk a little bit about who she is as a dental coach. And, you know, I had a chance to meet her this over the last summer, and we just became instant friends. She lives in Hawaii. Um, Isn't that everyone's dream to live in Hawaii? And she has become a virtual consultant living in Hawaii. And I love that she is there on the big island. And and Heidi, um, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah. (laughs) So we're excited to hear your story about how you got into dentistry, how you you kind of just, your focus is finding more revenue for dental practices. Is that correct? And how did that become your passion? Exactly. Well, I remember seeing my dentist at 18 years old that I had the same dentist since I was three. And um, he had asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I, I said, well, you know, a dental hygienist or a dentist. And I'm sure in my mind, my 18 year old mind, I was like, oh, he's just thinking I'm saying it because of him. And that's what went through my mind. And then he opened the paper chart and showed me a note that he asked me when I was three years old, what did you want to become? And it said, she wants to be a dentist. So he showed that to me and I couldn't believe it. I did not know I told him that. I didn't remember, (laughs) but I did remember I loved going to their office and they were like family to me. I remember the treasure chest and all this stuff. And I remember how good their breath smelled, how beautiful their teeth were and all this stuff. So I had great memories going there. They used mint gloves and, you know, went all out, all out on me. So I, I decided to become a dental assistant instead. Um, I didn't come from money and my family couldn't really afford the cost of dental school back then. I don't know if it was like 300,000 or what, but it was quite a bit. And, um, So I didn't really have the support to do that. But in my mind, I just love dentistry. So the first job I ever had actually was a front deskless office. I didn't know in the 80s that was your age. So I started in dentistry in 1988 or 89, somewhere in the summer there. And I remember like no front desk. What in the world? They didn't ring a bell or anything. There was a lady that was probably the insurance person and the behind the scenes person billing and all that they just waved through a fish tank and that's how we checked in our patients. And so what happened as a dental assistant is I did everything. I, once I was told my patient was here, you know, I was seating, I was discussing things, taking x-rays, sign treatment plans, scheduling, you know, cleanup, setup, chart notes, the whole shebang. I didn't know what it was like to have a front desk person. So what that meant to me were really good systems, right? Because you have patient after patient after patient. So crazy um, front desk. Yeah, front deskless. That was popular back then. And uh, he did have a consultant. We never met the consultant, but he would run some team meetings and teach me. And I mean, he was highly analytical and he taught me so much. So I really appreciate that job. And I only had it one year because then I, I, I got educated and moved up in the expanded function RDA, that type of thing, and became an office manager. And so 
I was constantly helping people. They would always have team meetings and say, let's call Heidi because, you know, there'd be this big discussion. And so we'd work it out. So I kind of was coaching all along, uh, helping other offices. And I had a lot of fun. I was getting all these gifts and gift cards and whatever. So, but actually I became a virtual consultant, you know, over a decade ago. And it was way before the pandemic. I've always done it this way because my values were to spend time with my family. I didn't want to be in an airport. I didn't want to watch dental offices be on their best behavior, you know, in front of a consultant. So I I just figured, you know, we're very numbers driven in dentistry. And so numbers tell us what's going on. It tells us how many new patients you're getting, if you're converting them into the schedule, how many people are walking out without scheduling. And I just started really analyzing all kinds of things and realized there are better ways to plug those leaks in your practice. So, um, then I actually never thought I'd live in Hawaii, honestly. Grew up half my life in California. I worked there quite a bit in dentistry and Oregon and licensed in both states. But yeah, I, Hawaii was actually a really super big dream. And what I learned is, you know, you create a vision board or you you write down your goals and you kind of figure out what it would take to get there. And, uh, you know, I have quite a story that it just wasn't that simple. You know, I it took a lot of work to, to reach those goals, but you know, anything's possible. So I am enjoying working from home and enjoying vacation after work. I love that. <laughs> what a great story. And, you know, I love that you, you, you kind of focused in on, to me, dentistry is all about a family work life and how family was important to you. And I feel like a lot of dental professionals understand where you're coming from when you say, it just seemed like a good fit and you kind of knew what you wanted to do. And so you went virtual. That is so wonderful. So tell me a little bit about some of the key things that you do to um, help a dentist bring in um, a better income, enhance their revenue, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Well, dentists mostly hire me when they're frustrated and plan- plateaued, believe it or not. Um, so I, what I'm known for is to help them make $500 more a day on tomorrow's schedule. And that's usually per employee. So you have people who are just purchasing a practice or doing a brand new startup. You have people that are trying to sell their practice and we're making it more valuable. Um, And then we have the average practice that, you know, everybody is trying to either get to the over the million dollar mark or, you know, they're trying to fill their schedule where it's not so stressful. You know, they're battling with the PPOs. Uh, They're battling with staffing issues and things like that. So once you have your systems in place, you actually create less work for people. People get off work on time. People can work less. um, And we don't need to work so hard because we do know dentists are very stressed out. Um, You know, lots of them have heart troubles. And I mean, unfortunately, even depression and other things. So we want to make sure that we protect ourselves Um, from the stress that work can cause and have a really fun environment so people want to work for you and create a, you know, community that people, you're just well known, right? They, They see the culture, they see how much you care, because what is it? Most people are just only calling their patients when they're, it's due for a cleaning. You have pending treatment and you're overdue for a cleaning. All of that does not work. So until we really connect with our patients, those type of reactivations or building our practice you're going to be struggling. You know, you're constantly going to be running specials or paying for SEO or trying to get more new patients when really, if you just take care of the patients you have, you won't need to gain so many new patients. You'll just have a natural attrition that happens with 
patient referrals and things like that. That's wonderful. You know, you talked a lot about a dental, like a culture within a dental practice. And I feel like, like me, when I go to the dentist, it's like I, you know, a lot of times I feel like I get the same cleaning at different dentists, but it's the people that attract me to a practice. And I feel like you talked a little bit about the culture and if the team members are happy, then it seems like your patients are going to be happier because then they're going to create that relationship base, which is so important, I feel like, in a dental practice. How does a dentist know if they're hiring the right people that can become part of that dental culture within the practice? That is a great question because hiring right is the key to building your practice. It is truly the key of hiring the right people, the right fit, the right fit for the seat. Sometimes you have all these job descriptions and people are doing, we just need to switch a couple little tasks around uh, to get better results. I've had patients or um, doctors tell me, um, oh, I'm going to have them be in charge of my social media because they don't have one. So it'll be great practice for them. It's like they don't have one. They don't want one. And they're going to be very uncomfortable <laughs> if they're not into it. So I don't really recommend that. Um, but to me, a good hiring system would be great open ended questions in your interview, which are more behavior based. Right. So, you know, Obviously, the, the expense is super high. It's astronomical. Right now, after the pan pandemic, you know, it's it's dog-eat-dog -dog world out there. Everybody's even living on paranoid to take a vacation because somebody will poach their team. And people that love their patients and love their team and love their doctor, they're doing uh, team bonding and they feel appreciated and they love their job. Uh, they're not out for another dollar or two. They're not out for what we think they are. Um so when I say ask for open-ended questions, you know, behavior-based questions would be like, if you were to inherit $50,000, what would you do with it, right? And so what we're doing is listening for attitude. You always hear hire for attitude, but what if they're, you know, well, I'm going to buy me a Tesla and I'm going to this, you know, me, 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 maybe that's somebody that might be a little money hungry versus, you know, my sister has struggled so much and I'd just love to give her $10,000 because she's so far behind in her house payment or, or something, you know, like have some giving little portion in there uh, that we donate to something or help somebody out. I, I would like to hear that. Um, and, you know, maybe um, what kind of goals do you want to achieve in the next two to five years, right? If they're talking about owning their own business next year, they might be a really short-term employee. I hope you have a backup plan. Um, you know, what are your non-strengths? You know, a lot of them say, oh, I, I work too hard, blah, blah, blah. I'm too detailed oriented. That is not a non-strength. So you'd want to ask a follow-up question on that negative strength that they think it is. Like, how has working too hard affected you or been negative? Right. Uh, I, I've had people say I'm too detailed oriented. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, you know, I have to get up so many times out of the room and get my instruments that I forgot and blah, blah, blah. So I'm really and, and I'm thinking, how you mean you're not detailed oriented is what I'm thinking. You don't have you a trace. Begin with. Yeah. 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 So by asking follow up questions, you kind of learn a little more about the person or, you know, a lot of times right now we have a lot of calling out. Everybody's just 
you know, I don't want to come to work or, you know, whatever. And they're like, they can't fire me because there's a shortage. So they have those attitudes. So maybe one of the questions you would ask is how much time did you take off last year? Right. Sometimes they say, well, you know, I'm trying to get pregnant. It's been challenging or I, I get migraines once in a while or I need mental health days. You know, they might tell you something that you go, well, you know, if, if I need if I really need the employee there all the time, uh, maybe this isn't the best one. If, if I only need a part timer and she calls out, it's like no big deal. Right. So um, another question I'll ask is what's your salary that you're seeking? Um, so they don't, you know, we're not just telling them what they're, what, what they're getting, or maybe we're, we're asking what's the salary you're seeking in two to three years. Cause I've literally hired people for dentists that, that I work for um, or interview them, not hire them, but I interview them and I, they say they want $20 an hour. And then I say the two to five year question, they say, well, you know, I expect to make 35, 40. I mean, I'd be equivalent to an office manager by then or whatever, like, wait, that's not what we're hiring for. And we're definitely not paying double, you know? <laughs> so it's yeah. good to ask those questions in advance, but you, you are listening for red flags. So I always tell a dentist, you know, when you have a red flag, there's usually a lot more coming, right? Um, and a lot of them will back you into the corner and things like that. So I, I like to really dig in on the attitude right away. And, you know, what do they have to offer the, the practice? You know, what are they good at? What, where can we use them? And how can we dangle a carrot for growth or more money? Because everybody wants more money, right? So tell them right up front how they can earn more money, whether that's bringing you new patients, whether that's meeting a certain goal, converting calls or however, you know, obviously we have to figure out the budget for the practice. So I'm more a business coach. I like to look at all the numbers, the big picture, their profit and loss, you know, making sure numbers are within check because otherwise, uh, you know, your profit keep home is not too much, but I can say almost every practice, uh, you know, 99.9, .9, unless they're doing it all already can make more money literally in a day. So it's just, finding those missing revenues, knowing where to look, reviewing the charts, discussing things, and making sure we're taking action to plug those leaks all throughout the day so patients aren't walking out, not scheduling, not paying, not doing anything for you, reviews or anything. So it, there's always room for growth, I believe, in every practice. Yeah, that's great. What if you have a dentist who has no idea how to even look at the numbers? Where would you start with, with, with a dentist like that? Yeah. So my website, I have a practice analysis. So they fill that out and then I have them run a couple extra reports or so. And we sit on the phone and we talk about it, but it's pretty easy. We should know, you know, how much they should be making per employee, per op, per hygienist. Um, we should know exactly, you know, what the employee costs. So one example would be um, we see when we, when a dentist looks at payroll, um, they really just look at payroll, right? How much are we spending on you know, they're making 40 bucks an hour or whatever it is, um, when really that's not payroll. Payroll is everything it takes to employ that employee. So we have uniforms, we have CE, we have workman's comp, we have vaccinations. Um, you know, there's so much more to, to that. Even if you're buying gifts, that goes under the cost of having the employees, bonuses, all of that. So I like the accountant to get the chart of accounts set up correctly so we can actually do the math and then tell the doctor all numbers are according to collections, not productions, collections. That's how you pay your bills. So it would be on collections. Um, but yeah, we, we analyze things and go, you know, this is an area 
that I would work on. A lot of doctors are just throwing spaghetti at a wall, running around with their head cut off. They don't know what, you know, like what, I have so many projects I can't even finish anything. It's a lot of things that I hear. So I help diagnose and prioritize just like you would, you know, diagnose a patient, and give a treatment plan. I'm diagnosing and giving them a plan of action for their success so they can have a map on how to get there. That sounds amazing. You know, I was thinking back when you were talking about hiring your basically your team members and who you're going to bring into the practice. One thing I was thinking about when you were talking was how can you tell the difference between like, would you place knowledge factor higher than care factor? Or how do you find (laughs) those employees that have that higher care factor? And you're thinking like, we can teach them the knowledge side, but, and, you know, and I think maybe you touched a little bit on it by talking about those open-ended questions you know, if they talk a little bit more outside of themselves or the things that are passionate to them, whether it's, you know, taking care of those patients or whatever. But how do you, when you only have a short time in that little interview, how do you target or know what those individuals are bringing to the table? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, what have you done, right? What have you done for the other practice? What systems did you put in place? What did, what ideas do you have? What are, what are some focuses you have on, um, on the patient care and things like that. But I believe common sense, you can't really train. I hate to be mean, but they have common sense or they don't, right? right? If they're late to the interview, if they come dressed like they rolled out of bed, there's certain common sense things that represent that person, um, how they respond, do they use please and thank you? There are very basic things that we should look for. Um, But I, I think, Hire for attitude for sure, because you can train leadership, you can train systems, you can give them checklists, you can take photos, you can take videos. And some people do take longer to learn. So, you know, understanding their learning style and knowing their strengths and weaknesses, we can work with that. We can, we can, you know, um, give them the chance they need to learn and help them set them up for success, right? So we explain this to them. Here's what we expect at 30, 60, 90 days, you know, and, and we'll discuss it. And then you, I will be asking you, how can I help you be more successful, right? So most of the time what we're doing is we're saying, great, we have a receptionist, boom, throw them in the seat and here's the business card, answer all the calls, schedule them wherever, right? That's not training, but that's what happens a lot. So I love that you have, you know, dental zing, online education stuff. Um, I love that you provide e-assist for us to outsource our um, insurance. You know, there's a lot of people who can bill insurance, but to actually do it right where you're not having insurance fraud, you're posting the right um, write-offs and billing the right fees and having it programmed in the computer correctly. There's so much that I would rather see employees um, spend time caring for the patients. If we're stuck on the phone pushing buttons uh, and, and, you know, most people billing insurance, they want their own office. They want to sit behind the scenes. They want to do it from home. Well, that's not helping the practice grow. So e-assist is to die for a company, um, I I just absolutely refer everybody there because I'd rather them make a post-op call. I'd rather see them build a social media account. I'd rather them love on some patients and not just call them because they're overdue for a a cleaning. I'd rather them send a card and say, congratulations on your new business or, you know, how's, 
how's your bionic hip from your hip surgery going? There's way more important things we can do to get known around town than have somebody hidden working behind the scenes. Um, so shout out to eAssist and all that they've done. I know you guys are working so hard trying to take care of all these dental offices and growing like a mad dog, probably stealing all our dental assistants and people, but <laughs> you know, cause everybody wants to work from home, but I do know it's a hard job. And I do know that you can get eight hours worth of work done in an hour because you're not getting all interrupted and doing things wrong because you're so interrupted at work. So no one should be billing insurance at the office unless you have five patients a day. Then I, then I probably, you know, unless you have more things to do and you need their help, but you know, if you have more than five claims a day, you really should be outsourcing. Just saying. Well, thank um, you. <laughs> and eAssist really appreciates you for putting that plug in for us. I know we work with you as one of our partners and, and we've, you know, we've dug into, um, the dental billing on different clients of our mutual clients of ours. And I love that we are able to dig in and make sure that we're taking care of not just your clients, but the ESS clients as well. I think that's wonderful. I wanted to, I have to put a, I have to put a disclaimer in there. You do not pay me one dime to say this or refer. <laughs> so true. You're so sweet. You're not, you're not. So you're so cute to I say I only that. work with good companies. Trust me. Companies want to pay me all the time. And I say, no, I'm just going to refer to whoever does a great job. <laughs> well, I love that. And I think that right there set alone says what a top notch coach you are. And I just kind of, as we wrap up here, I just wanted to um, ask you one last quick thing. If there's a dentist out there that is feeling like I really need some, you know, help with my revenue. I need help with figuring out if I have the right seat, you know, the right staff member on my team right now, if I just need some help, who, how can they get a hold of you or what would be the next steps for them to, figure out how to bring you into their practice and, and kind of go over their numbers and go over their team and just make sure they're all headed in the right direction. There's lots of ways. My main website is coachheidimount.com. Okay. And um, I have, if you want to get on the email tip list, you can go to coachingdentist.com. I highly recommend to buy my book. I do not make a lot of money. Obviously my, my, my book, uh, Publisher and Amazon take like 99%, but it's called Hidden Treasures, Finding the Missing Revenue in Your Dental Practice. You can find it on Amazon. It's out of the country also um, on your Amazon. And you can find it there in Audible, written or uh, Kindle version. So, you know, obviously in the book, it's how to find the missing revenue. There are literally checklists in there. There's leadership tests. It is entertaining um it's short you can get it done in a couple hours i highly recommend your team reading it and then having them say which thing can we implement or how can we make this happen what's one thing we can focus on um there's a lot of uh, great reviews on the book and a lot of great ways that people are like oh my gosh i own three offices and you know i I had no idea about this stuff so there's a lot of intellectual property right in that book for you guys to grab um and then of course i have a free coaching group that I help dentists. And if you're on Facebook, it's called Coaching with Heidi Mount. You just have to prove you're a dentist. I don't, you know, just tell me your website or whatever. And um, 
message me or whatever, and I'll let you in. I just really want people to be able to talk about employees or different issues during my Zoom coachings and things like that. So it's dentist only. And then I'm on Instagram, of course, it's called Heidi Mount Dental Coach. You can, there's a lot of links on there in my main link for you guys to find me in any which way, but I'm happy to help. I love to serve. And uh, um, my, my reviews say what I do. So <laughs> that's wonderful, Heidi. Boy, you give so many options. It sounds like you're very generous with all of your tips and tricks and and you give dentists a way to kind of pick and choose what they might need the most in, in you know, heading towards just having a better culture, having a higher revenue within the practice. All of that is just tips and tricks from you. And that Hidden Treasures book sounds amazing. Um, I want to read it myself and I'm not even a dentist. So that sounds amazing. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And thank you for joining me today. It's been a treasure and my pleasure to just get to know you a little bit better. And I know you're in Hawaii and you probably have some amazing things to do today because that's a fun place. (laughs) And I appreciate you taking the time and and until next time. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mahalo. Mahalo. The purpose of this podcast is to interview the consultants within our eAssist Consultant Network. This podcast is for informational purposes only. For more details, please visit the homepage of this podcast platform at dentalbilling.com. Thanks for listening.